I remembered something I'd once read. That a representative owes the people not only his industry, but his judgment. And he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. That was written by Edmund Burke, a member of the British Parliament. Let it be known that British liberties are not the grants of princes or parliaments, that many of our rights are inherent and essential, agreed on as maxims and established as preliminaries even before parliament existed. We have a right to them, derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. You know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. This is FritzCast. Welcome everyone, it's Monday, July 3rd, 2017. Welcome to this edition of the FritzCast. It is, it's the eve of American independence, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow is July 4th, and I always love the 4th of July. I always love this time of year. It's the summertime. It's, it's, it's a time to celebrate and look back upon the birth of this nation. And uh, we'll, we'll get to all that in a minute, for sure. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's uh, been uh, getting through... More than just getting through. I hope you've been enjoying life. But if you can't enjoy it, at least I hope you're getting through with a uh, sound mind. Everything going on. I'm I'm a little distracted. A little distracted right now. Because me and my wife are uh, dog sitting right now. We have this uh, a friend of my wife's uh, 10-week-old pit bull puppy. Or pit puppy. She's adorbs. She's in the room with me here, obviously. I can't just leave him. Uh, I can't leave her running around with my dogs unattended, so she's locked in the room with me while she's probably, like, staring up at me wondering why I'm talking to a wall. But <laughs> that's beside the point. She's adorable. She's cute. I, it won't distract me too much, but uh, that's, like, that's a highlight of how my week is going so far. Uh, worked a couple of overtimes last week, so... Yeah, ground ground it through. Thought I was gonna get froze over the weekend. I was I was certain I was gonna get froze over the weekend. That's mandatory overtime for those of you who don't speak law enforcement slash corrections. Somehow I dodged that bullet. Don't know how, but I did. I don't question things. It just is what it is. So count your blessings and move on. Obviously, take take a win. It was a win. I dodged a bullet. Congrats to me. I uh, did a little bike riding last week too. I love riding the bike. I got I'm up to five miles. I'm trying to increase it, maybe double it. Uh, I don't know if I I don't know if it ever go above ten miles. But the fact that I love riding it so much to me, it, it tells me, hey, get get on the bike and keep going. Um, it's gonna whip my butt into shape. I'm already doing good on the dieting front. Well, I'm doing uh, doing better. I'm not eating junk food. I don't drink sodas. That that type of business, and I don't I don't eat out of boredom anymore. That's a big thing, eating out of boredom. So I don't do any of that anymore. Uh, other than that, though, this past week mostly mostly uneventful for the most part, which is which is fine. That's you know that's mundane life sometimes. 
Um, I did hear back on the lieutenant position that I uh, applied for. Didn't didn't make it, but somebody who was more worthy than I received the position. And when that happens, you have to respect. And I absolutely respect, and I'm happy for the individual that got it. Congrats to that individual. I still have uh, other things coming up, like the trainer educator position. We'll see where, what comes of that. And uh, as always, I'm always floating apps towards like towards the Blaze, you know, the Blaze Radio Network, if you're a Glenn Beck fan of sorts. I'm always floating apps over there, seeing if they'll bite at all. One of the other things I've done, um, it, it is, of course, it's July 3rd. And I am a Civil War buff nut kind of person. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I'm the most championed, the most experienced uh, that there is. I never claim like it, it's stupid to claim you're the most knowledgeable of anything in the in this day and age of the internet. There's always somebody out there that knows it better than you. It seems anyway. So I'm not gonna sit here and be like I know everything there is about the Civil War and I know everything there is about tactics and I know exactly how it went down. I'm not going to do that, but because of the timing and because of how I am, like, I've been really, really deep, and I do this every year, uh, July 1st through 3rd, I always visit, I don't, I haven't visited Gettysburg Battlefield in several years, I'm going to say at least nine years, I'm hoping to go back soon, see the renovations that they've done up there, uh, I went many times as a kid, though, loved Gettysburg, loved the film, now I'm getting into this like where you're an adult and you start tackling things that interested you like that at a deeper level. So I started reading The Killer Angels by Michael Shara, which is an excellent book so far. I had to read it in school. And I remember being excited about reading it in school because of how many times I had watched Gettysburg and been to Gettysburg. I was like, oh, this is cool. I can read about what it was, but I, at the same token, I was a kid, and I didn't like reading. I didn't get into reading books and actually enjoying it until I met my wife, and my wife is a book nut. She can pick up a 400-page novel and tear through it, you know, if she's dedicated in a couple of days, most of the time in, in like a week. Me, it's like I'm reading the same book for like a month. That's how it goes. That's That's how it goes. And some of it is wanting to enjoy the book and enjoy the time with it and other things just depends on how it hooks me uh, there was one book that I read literally in a week by Greg Isles it was called The Footprints of God uh, it just hooked me and I was I was hung on it I couldn't put it down uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, if I'm reading a, a Dresden Files book from Jim Butcher usually I'm hooked on them uh, love the Dresden Files it's been a while since I read one though I think the next one I have to read is like book eight or nine in the series. Uh, but I love those lines of books. Uh, Gods and Generals I started reading a month or so ago. Tore through it pretty fast, actually. Uh, faster than usual for a book of this caliber. And I'm about halfway through The Killer Angels, so probably within the next couple of weeks I'll be done it. That being said, I, every year, July 1st, through July 3rd, I always visit Gettysburg in some fashion, whether it's reading The Killer Angels, whether it's watching the movie. Uh, there's a, an amazing song trilogy, uh, three songs combined together, about 31 minutes long, from a heavy metal band called Iced Earth. The best way to describe Iced Earth would be like, imagine, you know, if you know Iron Maiden and know that Iron Maiden sang of historical events and stories, you know, in British history, like the Trooper, for example. Iced Earth is like the American version where they pick all these American topics. Not not exclusively. They did it on one full album called The Glorious Burden, where they covered uh, American Revolution, American Civil War, a couple other things as well. Uh, their, their, tri their trilogy... Is three songs. When combined, it makes what they call Gettysburg 1863. That's what the block of those songs together are called. Separately, they're called The Devil to Pay, Hold at All Costs, and The High Watermark. 
the devil to pay opens up pretty much and it, it it even if you're not a heavy metal fan i'd suggest looking this up on youtube or checking it out by other means uh just because it is i think it's a brilliant piece of music for the music quality alone let alone the subject and how they wrote it and everything so the devil to pay opens up with buford and general buford general reynolds the Union lines pretty much setting up shop and being attacked by rebel forces. Day one of the battle, essentially. Hold at all costs, focus on day two, but focuses mainly on the battle at Little Round Top, where Colonel Chamberlain, who's probably, I mean, he probably gets more credit than he deserves. He probably gets more praise than he deserves. He's, he's dubbed as the hero of Little Round Top. There was lots of valiant brave men that stood at little round top facing wave after wave of confederate advance depleting their ammunition and at last desperation leading a glorious charge down the hill and actually winning the battle and holding the line holding the extreme flank of the union and then uh the high water mark is about pickett's charge which uh, devastating devastating event in American military history, and in humanity, really, uh, you know, it's it's something. I I visit that song every that time. Every I visit that song every time. This time of year, there's maybe a couple other times throughout the year that I'll listen to it just because I really do like it as a piece of music. But I like playing it at the significant time frame of, of Gettysburg, and you know, it's July third. It, right now it's 8.42 a.m. If you've never seen Gettysburg, you never really read up on it or anything, I, I'm telling you, Google Gettysburg Day 3. See if you can find the, the movie or a reenactment showing. At 1 p.m. on July 3rd, over 170 Confederate cannonade lined up along Seminary Ridge opened fire on the Union line towards the center. 170 guns. And I read up last night, just because I was on the internet skimming around and interested in, in reading more details on the battles each specific day I was looking at today's last night. It was like 170 guns and each of them had between like 150 to 200 rounds of ammunition. Think about that for a minute. 170 guns, two, about 200 rounds of ammunition per gun, and they just started unloading on the Union line. Now, mind you, it, it in the end, it wasn't very effective. The Union cannonade set up with about 80 guns, I think. 60 to 80 guns across the field and started returning fire. And the Union worked on accuracy and precision, whereas the Confederacy was just bombarding the hill, hoping that they were causing some amount of, of destruction and chaos and disorienting the, uh, the Union Army. And in a brilliant ploy... The Union commander, I forget his, I forget who it was, but his, his last name, I believe, was Henry. The Union commander of artillery actually ordered a ceasefire because they all knew, at that point, they all knew that there was going to be a Confederate advance. And the Confederates knew that they were going to advance anyway. They were just bombarding the Union line with cannon fire, with artillery. So in order to conserve ammunition, Henry calls off any Union artillery response after... Yeah, I mean, he initially responded, but then he called it off to conserve ammunition and to draw out the Confederate lines. And the Confederate lines were drawn out, and they lined up somewhere somewhere in the, in the numbers of twelve to 15,000 men stretched a mile long practically marching 
over a mile towards the Union Center. And it was, for lack of better term, a massacre. So many men dropped on that field in that charge. That's one of the reasons why, like, history and and especially, like, old warfare astonishes me. Because you're talking about men were lining up knowing that there was essentially a 50-50 chance that you were going to die. It takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of integrity. Whether it's genuine and good integrity or misplaced integrity to line up thousands of men deep, march across the field toward thousands of other men, muskets loaded, driving at warfare. The reason why I bring up the Civil War example is just because we were talking about, at that point, it was a nation tearing itself apart, ripping at the seams, and it's event it's an event that you know Gettysburg celebrated its 154th anniversary this year it was only 150ish years ago that the nation was fraying against itself and then that even further the interest in that is what sparked the interest in the revolution for me. And the revolution, I like, here's the thing that I don't like in this day and age. People are picking apart the founding fathers like crazy. You'll hear it all the time in the rhetoric and the talk, in the news, with what's going on. I've had arguments with progressives, with liberals, with other politically minded people who like you you you'll post the words of Jefferson or a passage from the Declaration of Independence and the first place they're going to go is saying Jefferson was a hypocrite because he owned a bunch of slaves which yes okay we get that history has a dark mark on it and that those men did have hypoc- hypocritical practices but anybody judging it in this day and age to that day and age, when it was a completely different world, is kind of nuts. That doesn't mean that we're automatically going to start discrediting every founding father. Nor, but at the same token, we're not going to treat them like they were perfect demigods. One of the one of the other things I do when it's the Fourth of July is I I I bask in anything that has to do with the founding of the nation like people some people take it just like memorial day or memorial day weekend or you know the, these holidays where you know bust out the grill drink lots of beer eat lots of food and party 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 cuz cuz merca i don't do that i mean i do i engage in it a little bit but i actually cherish like the 4th of july I cherish it for what it is, the remembrance of the establishment of this nation, which was against all odds. And people just take this stuff for granted because we were born we were born into it. We were born into it. We were born on this country. We're in this modern day and age and everything that is as it is it just is. We don't take a look at history and how it's how it's changed. People are losing sight of that. And I don't know how people are losing sight of that. There, there's a great deal of importance to it. The, the the odds that we faced creating this American nation, which is, mind you, it's far different from what it was at its inception. It's 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 lost sight of what it was truly meant to be, which is sad. But it's because people are wholly uninterested in being taught or learning the actual history and the things behind it. I love watching things like the HBO series John Adams around this time. I love watching the musical 1776. It probably is cheesy as hell to most people. Some people probably can't even 
muster themselves to sit through it, which is sad because it is uh, it is a hilarious little piece of art surrounding the inception of the nation. I I know a musical about the Declaration of Independence and and how the nation fought for independence sounds silly. But some of the performances in that, William Daniels as John Adams, sure, he didn't look the part, but he he acted a, a hell of a character that was annoying and brash and in your face that was obnoxious and disliked. Paul Giamatti in turn hell of a performance in the HBO miniseries. I still need to read 1776 by David McCullough which the HBO series John Adams is based some of the source material is based on that 1776 book. I watched movies like The Patriot, which I, I realize The Patriot isn't a good film to bring up for historical accuracy or purposes, but there's just something when watching it and watching the American Revolution and seeing a glimpse of what those battles looked like. You know, I mean, you're talking about America was a bunch of farmers with pitchforks lining up against the British army, the largest army on the face of the earth at the time, in one of the largest kingdoms on the face of the earth, and a ragtag group of Americans living in the colonies get pissed off because their rights are trampled and they're not afforded the same liberties Fight, they fight against tyranny. They fight against a king. They fight against the main establishment of government at the time. And they manage a great success with it. But that story, it's so complex. It was by no means perfect. And there's no way that you could look back at it and craft it perfectly. It was a lot of... It was a lot of business that took a lot of compromise, took a lot of fighting. I mean, you know, the underlying facets of the Civil War were being debated and argued at the inception of the nation. Uh, I talked about this in, in a podcast episode probably a couple months ago. I don't remember the exact episode, but I talked about the passages that were removed. In fact, I'm wrong. It wasn't a podcast. It was a blog post on my WordPress website. And I believe it was over this the, the ongoing wave of removing Confederate monuments from the public squares and all that. Which I'm not going to dive into that. That's another can of worms that we could sit back and forth and debate. The removed passages from the Declaration of Independence, they're posted up, you can look them up, is where Jefferson talks about the evils of slavery. Yes, he was a slave owner. Yes, he did some nefarious things, for lack of better terms, because we're not going into a spiel about Thomas Jefferson right now, with his slaves had children with his slaves. Um, we could go into that, but we're not. That that would extend this podcast episode by 900 billion minutes. And that's not for, that's not trying to say I'm glossing over it either. I'm not. But Thomas Jefferson had passages in there against slavery, and it was, yes, it was southern colonies that forced the removal of them. And there was, you know, a brilliantly highlighted in the musical 1776, a little song, a little ditty called Molasses to Rum to Slaves, about how there was this lashing out from people about it who 
profited off of it by not directly holding slaves, but selling them and being part of the trade and the money and all that. And the Southerns, who, you know, base their life and economy around slavery. They knew at the time of a incepting... They, they knew upon the inception of the nation that that would be a fight that would come up. They probably didn't anticipate it being a civil war level, but they said, let's get the nation put together first and we'll worry about it later. Is that a mark on history? Absolutely. But guess what? They're men. They were men who weren't perfect. You can't look back at the founding fathers and expect gods, expect perfect men. They weren't. They, they had their imperfections. They were not great men. At the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, they were flawed men. Flawed men who did some pretty astonishing great things. So it's the 4th of July. Yes, enjoy the fireworks. Yes, have a beer. Yes, bust out the grill. It's it's America's birthday, but dive into some actual factual history. And realize that everything that we have around us here and everything about this nation is everything that we take for granted day in and day out. I was talking with one of the... Uh, I was tweeting to one of the guys that works at the Blaze. His name's Brandon Morse, and I'm sidebar. I'm really depressed that he doesn't run some kind of segment called the Morse Code, because it's you're it's built into your name, dude. I sincerely doubt you'll listen to this, but it's built into your name. You need a segment or or a blog or something where you call it the Morse Code. Sorry, I went on a tirade there, but I was tweeting with him, and let me see if I can find it. Took me a hot minute because I've had lots of Twitter exchanges over the last couple of days, and we're going to get at that in a minute. Brandon Morse is a uh, reporter for The Blaze. He's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. Does uh, video clips and stuff like that. He tweeted out on June 30th, quote, I do stories about U.S. slash Curtis volunteers fighting back ISIS in Syria and almost feel bad about how good I have it here in America. And I replied to him, quote, We take so much in our cushy little world over here for granted. He replied, quote, Agreed, I'm sitting here in my downtown apartment drinking coffee and air conditioning while they're fighting back hell on earth. And at the end of the day, I think people as a whole here in America do not appreciate the world that we live in here. In this not perfect capitalist earned by the sweat of your brow world over here. We nitpick and we we nitpick and we complain about every little thing that we can, every little thing that we can find, and it's sad because probably a good ninety percent of us have a roof over our head, eat three meals a day, have access to clean water with the exception of Flint, Michigan. Can you believe that that's still an ongoing thing? Most of us sit around and play on our cell phones. Or sit around and read books. Or sit around and watch television. We're not in a war zone over here. Not every day. I mean, yes, there's there's troubled cities abound in America, speckling the map. Chicago, Wilmington, Delaware here. I mean, there's there's still hateful people in the world and all that. Yeah, but are we in a war-torn country that people are trying to flee from? No. I mean, I, there's so much that we just take for granted. 
so much that we take for granted. And it's a problem. It's a huge problem. I look back at these stories about when America was forming, when America was on the brink of destruction in a civil war. Where people lost their lives, where people were willing to put their lives down on the line, not only for their own freedom, but for the freedom of of many people. Yet here we are. Complaining about, at the end of the day, stupid, arbitrary things. So keep that in mind for your 4th of July. So how about some news? How about some talk? Let's let's dive into some other subjects going on. Like, uh, for example, uh, Delaware finally passed a freaking budget, for one. Delaware, for the first time ever, the Delaware legislature... Le- legislature that's a that's a funky word. You have to almost be drunk to say it. Legislature. Um, the Delaware legislator, legislative body, for the first time, I think ever, didn't pass the budget in time. June 30th is the deadline, and June 30th came and went, and they passed a mini-bill to keep the government up and running through July 3rd. Last night, I actually got to pull up the feed and listen to some of the Senate and House, not debates, it was votes for the most part. There was a little bit of debate in there. They finally passed the budget. So Delaware, which is facing somewhere upwards of $400 million deficit, shortfall, finally figures out how they were going to have a balanced approach. Had to cut a lot of... um, Spending, which Delaware, at the end of the day, if you look at it, is a huge spending state. It's ridiculous. Um, and Delaware, what's really funny is that Delaware, I don't understand Democrat Delaware, keep Delaware blue pages. Any Delaware liberal progressive page that's talking about keep Delaware this, Delaware has been under Democratic rule for some 20 years uh, majority, and it's in a mess. It's in a huge mess. So I don't know how anybody's pushing forward keep Delaware blue. It's, it's ridiculous. They finally passed a budget last night, which I was kind of concerned about because, I mean, yes, I'm a correctional officer. Yes, I work for the government. Huh, what? A libertarian working for the government? Blasphemy! You, sir, are a hypocrite. Yeah, I guess, maybe, I don't know. People commit crimes all the time. I look over murderers and rapists, you know, so... It is what it is. I treat them all humanely, okay? At the end of the day, my job is safety and humane, keeping a safe, humane, sanitary facility. That's part of my job. Uh, and I've had this debate before. We're not going to have a debate about it right now. I will gladly talk and debate with anybody about it. Um, I do not agree with every law. I do not agree with every every crime that's out there. I can't do anything about it. And me not taking a position with the Department of Corrections doesn't change it either. It's how people vote. And this this type of thing right here, dialogue and discussing it. If you ask me, if, if you're talking to me, I am an advocacy for ending the war on drugs and a lot of other aspects of that and, and criminal justice reform because you just can't flood people into a prison and have them sit there. It doesn't work. I've experienced it firsthand. But Delaware finally gets its act together, passes a budget. So we'll see. We'll, we'll look into that a little more in detail later. New Jersey, however, is still up in arms. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. This was the f- one of the funniest things I've seen. New Jersey goes into like state of emergency, government shutdown, state parks close. A lot of backlash on on Twitter, on social media, and from, you know, the people of of New Jersey. And I can understand that to a degree. It was the fact that uh, news helicopters got pictures of Chris Christie on on a state property, you know, state park beach by himself. This beach is closed down because the government shut down. And there's Chris Christie with his family on this beach alone. 
yesterday. Not only that, there's no public on this beach because it's closed to the public. Because the government's in lockdown, practically. And Chris Christie's still wearing a t-shirt on the beach because he's still self-conscious and can't take his shirt off because he's a fat guy. Right? Funny joke? Not funny joke? I don't know. It's a light-hearted poke at the fat man, okay? Which, let's face it, Chris Christie's a fat guy. It is what it is. But how big is your set of balls to let your your state go into an emergency government lockdown, close all the state parks, yet you're on a state-owned beach? A state park beach. Enjoying the 4th of July weekend. Now, mind you, people crying out saying, like, look at that. All these people couldn't go to the beach. There's like a dozen other beaches in New Jersey that people could go to. Because they're not all state park government owned. They, and if you ask me, beaches and and beaches and parks should never be owned by the government. Ever. They should be owned by communities, if you ask me. I think community people would be far better at managing those than the government overseeing it at the end of the day. Just trying to think and recall now, I don't know if I've ever been on a government property's, you know, state-owned beach. Uh, I've been to, like, Wildwood. I don't believe that's state-owned. I believe that's, like, a, a private industry, like, beach town type of thing. I, I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around the concept of, like, a state-owned operated beach or whatever. I, I, I don't get it. And yes, tax dollars and, and, and money could be, you know, yes, the government could upkeep all that through that. But you know what? If I if you love a state park or you love wildlife or nature or beaches or whatever, like if you were to go there and utilize it, I feel like you would almost pay your own money for it instead of like tax money. Like if it was money that wasn't taxed from you, you would still go to this park and still pay a fee to go to this park to upkeep the park or whatever. It's just Again, long debate that we could have. We're not going to have it today. I don't want to have it today. But look up the picture of Chris Christie, because he looks up at the helicopter, and you know what he's thinking in his head when he sees it. He's like, ah, crap, they're taking pictures. Oh, boy. Well, you, you shouldn't have the balls to go on a beach that you freaking closed. Off to the public, but yet there you are, Fat Cat Christie, and that's not a comment on his weight. It's just a typical fat cat type of politician. This is... Government's closed, we're in lockdown, whatever, but I'm going to go on the state-owned beach because I'm the freaking governor. Big F you to the people, well. (laughs) Didn't help your image out at all, Christie, and your image could use a lot of freaking help. Again, not a comment on his looks or his weight. You had an an interesting... I'm not drunk. I haven't had a drop of alcohol. So, I could go re-record over it. Why do that, though? I like the live experience a little bit. Maybe there might be some live stuff in the works over the summertime. Who knows? Um, You know, keep your eyes peeled. Interesting developments on Twitter and the debate over President Donald Trump. And I came to this realization that, yes, character is a big thing in this day and age, and politicians have lacked it. Not just Donald Trump. Politicians in general have lacked it. Had this debate over Twitter with several people, and I have a feeling I'm going to have this debate with several more people over the coming days. Donald Trump tweets out this video from when he guest starred at WWE for a brief stint for a WrestleMania event. The video is him... The the original video was Donald Trump beating up Vince McMahon, okay? And the video that he posted up, mind you, he's been bombarding CNN as fake news, hashtag fake news, fake news network, fraud news network, you know, all that. So Trump posts up this video from his WWE days, and instead of Vince McMahon, somebody 
they they photoshopped or imposed the CNN logo on Vince McMahon's face. So it's Donald Trump beating up the CNN logo. And there was a big firestorm on Twitter. Some people were comparing it and bringing up the Kathy Griffin thing from a couple weeks ago, if you remember that. And get ready. This is going to be a mouthful. Kathy Griffin's photo was of her holding a knife with a bloody head of Donald Trump. Or an effigy. An effigy of Donald Trump's bloodied, severed head as she's holding a knife. That was Kathy Griffin's photo. It wasn't funny and it was in bad taste. Not saying that Donald Trump's video of him pummeling the CNN logo from his WWE appearance wasn't in bad taste. But the two are not comparable. I do, how are you comparing a beheading? She was holding a bloody knife, a severed head, and wearing a serial killer face in the photo. Whereas, in the Donald Trump video in which he was fake beating up Vince McMahon. He's beating up the CNN logo. And all of a sudden it's, he's condoning violence against the media. Well, I I get, I get that Donald Trump has said stupid things. And he has condoned violence. He condoned violence all throughout his rallies running for president. He has said some pretty stupid Thanks. We're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing, like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. The people, my people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Just to name a few, but to insinuate that this CNN video was on the same level of a a beheading photo, a, a, a graphic beheading photo, and to say that they're in the same vein and that if people aren't going to say that Donald Trump needs to step down as president for this one video, that Kathy Griffin deserves an apology, you're nuts. You are out of your freaking mind. I don't understand how you can compare the two. Other than the fact that he's president of the United States, but you can look to sound bites and actual statements that he's made that hold way more credence than this stupid video, which is more or less a meme, which more or less, if if somebody had made it and posted it online, if a third party had done it, people would have still said, Donald Trump, you need to disavow that video right now. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Is it a stupid video? Sure. It's it's funny. It is funny. Just because CNN can try... It, in fact, you could say it was a retrospective look at how the media has tried to tear down Donald Trump and it hasn't worked and he's laying the smackdown on their butt. All right? That is what that video is. It's not somebody holding a, a knife and a severed head. Get off your high horse. Get that. That's a ridiculous argument and you know it at the end of the day you know that's a ridiculous argument at this point Donald Trump could sneeze the wrong way and people are going to lunge at it because 25th amendment lets impeach his ass that's what that's what that's that's the world that we live in now and mind you you know if you've listened to my episodes that I'm no freaking fan of the man I didn't vote for him if this is your first time listening to the program I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton because I thought they were both terrible. And I didn't support Bernie Sanders either. I did not. I voted for the libertarian guy who said, what is Aleppo? That was the biggest dirt that people could pull up. That was the biggest dirt that the media could pull up on Gary Johnson is that he didn't know what Aleppo was. Something that mm, probably 75 to 80% of America forgot about. Anyway... All right, look, when it comes to Donald Trump, he is the president of the United States. Is he deserving of it? No. Is he a good character? 
No. Is he a shining example? No. And unfortunately, we haven't had a president that, you know, maybe President Obama. People always bring up President Obama, but it's he wasn't the best president either <laughs> by a long shot. I don't agree with Donald Trump. I thought he was a bad choice. I didn't vote for him. I didn't play the game of vote for the other guy because I hate this guy or loathe this guy. Uh, you had two horrendously qualified front runners, if you ask me. Two horrible choices. So I refuse to play the game. And for anybody out there who's like, well, you're part of the reason why he won. Nope. Delaware went to Hillary Clinton. So screw you. I'm not a party line tower at all. Because there's lots of Republicans that are disappointing me over the whole Donald Trump thing. That's how the internet blows up. Uh, Dana Lash, she's from the Blaze, and I, you know, I'm not gonna say fan or not fan or whatever of her, but she did an NRA video that people were spouting about was you know a call. She's calling for violence against people when it was just a political message ad from the NRA not really calling for violence at all but this is the, the, we live in a world of extremes now that this is what happens and what, what's funny about all of it what's funny about all of it is that everybody that's commenting and, and jumping on and talking about people needing to dis, disavow Trump and 25th amendment this and, and get him on this video of the CNN thing that this is this is the final straw. This is the last bit. These people have nothing to say about the massive amounts of protesting that have happened on college campuses against conservative speakers coming into town and and, and just speaking. Just speaking. Okay, people protest Ben Shapiro. College campuses protest Ben Shapiro. They banned Ben Shapiro from college campuses and do protest and riot-level stuff over First Amendment rights. And they say nothing about it. That's the extremes of this world. If it falls within the party line, nobody's disavowing or disowning things right now for some reason. I don't know why. This is why I don't play party politics. This is why I don't say that... This is why I don't associate with the... Republican Party or the Democrat Party. I don't... I, I am a registered libertarian here in Delaware, but I don't even say anything about the Libertarian Party because parties are dumb. Parties are stupid. Large groups of people are dumb. Okay? That Men in Black quote from Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> Agent K, or is it J? No, it's K. When he's talking with Will Smith's character, he says, a person is smart. People are dumb, stupid, panicky, yada, yada. Large groups of people are stupid. And the same can be said with the political parties. Large groups of people are stupid. Individuals are smart. But large groups of people are stupid. So, guys, that's going to do it for me. Uh... Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy your 4th of July coming up and find something of historic significance of from American history to listen to. Now, normally it's play out music, but I'll just let me go through the spiel right now. Like this on social media, share it, comment on it, do do what you would with it, share it to the world. Help help a brother out, man. I don't uh I'm not paying for advertising right now. I'm just trying to get shares and likes and try to keep this as free as possible. So that's number one. I'm at Fritz QS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S, on Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash thefritzcast. My website and blog is fritzcast.wordpress.com. Check that out. Playing us out is, uh, well, it's July 3rd, and I was already talking about Gettysburg, and I was talking about Pickett's Charge. Put this in your mind. A hundred... Plus, Confederate cannons opening fire. This is a clip from Gettysburg. 
It's the cannonade right before Pickett's charge. Just just listen to how harrowing it is, and, how, and think about how intense and, and crazy it would have been to be on that battlefield that day. I'll catch you guys next week.